here we are again on the Arantia Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Jim, longtime reader and student of the Fifth Epical Revelation. I try to do these as often as possible, but at least once a week we try to tackle a subject of the Arantia book or perhaps even a, le- a listener letter. Uh, part of our topic of discussion today is going to be on the thought adjusters. And the reason I wanted to do that, two reasons really. One, because I had not done uh, a segment on thought adjusters, which is hard for me to believe, out of the 140 or so episodes that we have of the Arantia Radio podcast, I, uh, I I was a little surprised that I had not talked about the thought adjuster, which is su- such a big part of the revelation. And for those who don't know, the thought adjuster is just another name for the fragment of, of the Father, the Spirit of God that lives in you. The thought adjuster is, is is more of a description of what they do rather than what kind of a spirit it is. It literally is the spirit fragment of the universal father. When they use the name, we are endowed by our creator. That's what we're endowed by. Now, people don't think about that when, when those words, they're so often spoken in our in our lexicon, particularly when it comes to freedom and liberty and things of that nature. We're talking about free will. And uh, any animal that has free will, which means they can decide their own course, if they're not endowed by their creator, then you have to ask yourself, well, then what direction does that animal pursue? And we are obviously animals, part of the animal kingdom, but we're blessed with a very high intellect. We're also bestowed a personality which makes us unique so that everybody has a unique perspective on any given notion. And we are endowed by our Creator with the Spirit, which compels us to be adventurous. It compels us to be free. It compels us to choose and have self-determination. It, In fact, it, it compels us to choose. And that's what this is all about, choosing the best path in one's life. Wouldn't you agree with that? You know, you've heard it said before that life is about the decisions we make. The Arantia book, other great books of truth uh, have said the same thing. It is our choices that determine our course in life. And every day you are given a certain amount of choices. And it's in the choosing of the better path or the higher path or the or the better road or the worse road. That That is what it makes the composite of our life. And so the thought adjuster is helping us to choose the godly way, the will of God, the right way, the right way. God's way is always the right way, and the right way is always God's way. So I ran across a whole ton of great stuff from uh, the thought adjuster. In fact, there's I think over 1,100 references in the Arantia book throughout all four parts of the book that reference the thought of Jester. So we'll read through some of them, and we'll get to that. And also, Bill Sadler. Bill Sadler is an interesting character. He is the son of William Sadler. And Bill, I believe, lived to, I think it's 1973. Sometimes I get his death and William Sadler's death confused. But either way, he did not live a long life. He, uh, 
I believe he died of, of liver uh, disease. But he was instrumental in a way uh, with the with the revelation for a number of reasons. One, uh, because when when William Sadler, his father and mother, were embroiled in their careers and what they were doing in Chicago with the medical community and all of the things that they were involved with, not to mention being involved with dealing with a patient uh, who spoke in his sleep at night for many years. But Bill Sadler was also a troubled youth. At a very young age, it is said that he uh, was was suffering from, from some mental issues. And his father, Bill William Sadler, uh, believed, and this is some of this comes from Sue Oliva's book, uh, believed that spirituality could help Bill Sadler, that spirituality can do a lot for people who suffer from most mental illnesses. And you know what? That is not something that is adopted by today's mental health profession. Isn't that interesting? Don't you find that interesting? Here we have so much time and energy, finances. Every day you hear about mental health disorder and all of the people that you see around you, many of them homeless, uh, people that uh, got an incursion with drug, drug addiction, or they just had mental issues to begin with. A lot of the discussions we have about gender today involve perspectives of mental health issues, depression, all of the things that we talk about. And it was William Sadler in the 1920s who had a son who was damn near catatonic at times. And William and Lena believed that the spirit could help prayer. Um, now, I don't know if it did. We don't know if, if, if that is true, but we do know from writings from William Sadler that he most certainly was driven into the study of, of mental health because of the fact that he had a son who seemed to suffer. Well, Bill Jr. Uh, ran away from home in his late teens and he went and joined the service. I believe it was the Marines. So this was right around, uh, right after World War One. And that must have shined the light of day on, on Bill Sadler. He was able to get it done. He, he ended up serving for a period of time. And then that's when his relationship really began to come to fruition with his dad and his mom. And that's also uh, the late 20s was the time when he started getting involved with and participating in the contacts with the, 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 the sleeping subject. The sleeping subject, of course, the gateway through which all of the revelation uh, possibly was coordinated by or came through or had some adjacent connection to the fifth epical revelation. I know that's a lot of word, word salad. I can't say specifically that the sleeping subject wrote the Arantia book. That's not the claim that I make, although that's a common claim. What I can say is the sleeping subject's thought adjuster played a participant role and making it possible for the revelation to come through. Now, whether the revelation was written by an unseen midwayer who was merely taking dictation, and by the way, that's a theory that, that Bill Sadler proposes, and I'm going to find that clip and play it for you. It's amazing. But clearly, Bill Sadler was a part of this initial period 
In fact, it was William Sadler who called Bill and, and said, hey, let's put together a Sunday afternoon get-together with our neighbors and our professional friends. Have them come by and we can all have good conversations about philosophy and medicine. And Bill Sadler was partly responsible for coordinating that. So Bill Sadler went on to become a very instrumental part of the Urantia book. In fact, I believe he was the first uh, president of the fellowship, which was the Brotherhood. Um, and he was instrumental in, in a lot of ways that would take much too, too much time for me to explain here. But needless to say, he was an important forerunner in, in sharing and teaching the Urantia book. And I think over the next couple of episodes, I don't know if they'll be sequential. For example, today I have some audio from 1958 from a study group. Maybe you've seen it online. I think I got it from Truthbook. Anyway, in the archives, there's all kinds of great audio of these, these sessions, these study groups, including Bill Sadler leading some of them. And I have some from October of 1958 on the subject of thought adjusters, and I want to share those with you. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about thought adjusters for those of our friends who are listening to this podcast who want to know a little bit more about them. As we read through the Arantia book, we see that they're mentioned quite early in the Arantia revelation. In fact, they're mentioned in the foreword, and they are to be thought of as fragment spirits or fragment, just a fragment of God's nature, infinite nature. So let me read a few of the descriptions that are laid out in the Arantia book. The divine spirit that indwells the mind of man, the thought adjuster, this immortal spirit is pre-personal, not a personality, though destined to become a part of the personality of the surviving mortal creature. Those who know God have experienced the fact of his presence. Such God-knowing mortals hold in their personal experience the only positive proof of existence of the living God, which one human being can offer to another. The existence of God is utterly beyond all possibility of demonstration, except for the contact between the God-consciousness of the human mind and the God-presence of the thought-adjuster that indwells the mortal intellect and is bestowed upon man as the free gift of the universal father. Remember the line, endowed, self-evident that we are endowed by our creator. That's what the thought adjuster is. It's that endowment itself from paper one, section five. The idea of the personality of the universal father is an enlarged and truer concept of God, which has come to mankind chiefly through revelation. Reason, wisdom, and religious experience all infer and imply the personality of God, but they do not altogether validate it. Even the indwelling thought adjuster is pre-personal. The truth and maturity of any religion is directly proportional to its concept of the infinite personality of God and to its grasp of the absolute unity of deity. The idea of a personal deity becomes then the measure of religious maturity after religion has formulated the concept of the unity of God. Now what that means is for you and I, even, even the thought adjuster 
can lead us to the door. But we have to look at deity as having more than just personality. Deity is also energy. Deity is all of these things that culminate in the first uncaused cause, which is God. But God also has an infinite personality. And when you grasp that unity, that God can be a person, but also an over-controller, then you begin to understand the concept of the unity of what God is all about. Uh, The next paper, when Jesus talked about the living God, he referred to a personal deity, the Father in heaven. The concept of the personality of deity facilitates fellowship. It favors intelligent worship. It promotes refreshness and refreshing trustfulness. Interactions can be had between non-personal things, but not fellowship. That's interesting, isn't it? The fellowship relation of father and son as between God and man cannot be enjoyed unless both are persons. Only personalities can commune with each other. Albeit, this personal communion may be greatly facilitated by the presence of just such an impersonal entity as the thought adjuster. But the love of God is an intelligent and far-seeing parental affection. The divine love functions in unified association with divine wisdom and all other infinite characteristics of the perfect nature of the universal Father. God is love, but love is not God. The greatest manifestation of the divine love for mortal beings is observed in the bestowal of the thought adjusters. But your greatest revelation of the Father's love is seen in the bestowal life of the Son, Michael, as he lived on earth the ideal spiritual life. It is the indwelling adjuster who individualizes the love of God to each human soul. So with that, we'll take a brief break, just a little bit of a break, and then I'll share with you some insights given in 1958 from one of the first people to ever read the words of the Urantia book. So let's continue our discussion and examination of sharing the truth of the Urantia book. And in this particular subject, we've been talking about the Spirit of God, that fragment of the Father that indwells every normal-minded human being. It's what gives us the ability to do the Father's will. Uh, And I pulled from the archives some old audio of Bill Sadler, Jr. And Bill Sadler, Jr., was a very learned man. He knew the Urantia book. Uh, he was part of the contact commission. He was very involved in the publication. And and then after or after the book was published in 55, he hit the road, and they started having all these study groups popping up all over the country. And in one particular study group in Oklahoma, and Oklahoma also has, for many decades, has had a very strong presence of your book readers and i believe this is one of his early must have been one of his early uh addresses 
because it's it's the oldest one that I can find. But it's from 1958, and it's just a couple of cuts. And this cut, he talks about uh, what a thought adjuster is, and I want to find my crib notes on this because it's kind of important if I can find it here. But he, um, you know, he talks about oh here it is, what a thought adjuster is, uh, and explains to them their nature, and it's a very interesting few minutes. And forgive the audio quality. This is after all recorded in 1958, probably on one of those little condenser microphones and one of those battery-operated cassette recorders. You know, so. But despite that, you can hear him clearly, and you'll immediately get a sense of his rather wry sense of 1950s humor. He's a very eloquent speaker. And if you've not heard Bill Sadler, I think you'll enjoy these. So in this cut, he talks about and describes what a thought adjuster is. There are four fascinating papers dealing with thought adjusters. Fragmentations of the nature of God. You know, God is kind of hard to understand. When you think of him as having levels, pre-personal, personal, super-personal. I think of the, be- the best way I can think of a thought adjuster is like this. Let this card symbolize God. There's a thought adjuster. It's a piece of God. It's not all of God. But from a qualitative standpoint, it's God's nature, as that little fragment of that card is of the nature of the card. Uh, Very frankly, I don't take up very many problems with God. I'm a little bit abashed. I mean, I'm not in the least afraid of God. He's too big. If he were only about 10% of his size, I could be afraid of him but he's entirely too big to be afraid of. And I understand intellectually that he's infinite and that he has just as much time for me as if I were the only creature in all existence. This I understand. But I'm a little abashed at taking up his time, nevertheless. Uh, but I've got this thought adjuster. And I'm not, I'm not abashed about taking up his time because I am his business. You follow me? He's my partner, and uh, I find it much easier to conceptualize a conversation with God if I direct it at the adjuster instead of at the universal father on paradise. Paradise is a hell of a long ways from here, but the adjuster is right here. I can get familiar with this adjuster in a way that I would be a little bit concerned about the Universal Father. I don't feel a bit familiar toward the Universal Father. My attitude has no fear in it, but it doesn't have any familiarity. But I can talk plain street talk to this thought adjuster. Have you ever tried that? You know, the thought adjuster doesn't have your sensory mechanism. Interesting, isn't it? So it kind of gives you a sort of a personal approach to how you can form a relationship with that spirit fragment. In this next cut, Bill tackles another issue, and he tries to illustrate the distance, the spiritual distance between a thought adjuster 
and the human that uh, that, that thought adjuster indwells. In trying to visualize what a thought adjuster is like, think of a secondary midware who is our next of kin. And a thought adjuster is almost as remote from a secondary midware as from a human being. This thought adjuster is tremendously more remote from the human level than is a midware. Let's think about a solitary messenger, one of the highest orders of the higher personalities of the infinite spirit. When you get to the mansion world, you're going to see seraphim, but you won't see solitary messengers. Even when you graduate into the true spirit levels of existence, you won't see solitary messengers. Even when you reach Uversa, you won't perceive a solitary messenger. You won't have the sensory equipment necessary to perceive a solitary messenger until you get to Havona. That's what rarefied spirits they are. Let's take what we know of a solitary messenger and consider how does a solitary messenger react to our world? Well, First of all, our, the solitary messenger knows that this world is here because the solitary messenger registers the pull of linear gravity. The solitary messenger is acutely conscious of the physical mass of Urantia. Number two, this solitary messenger, I think, is cognizant of the surface of Urantia. Because you know what the solitary messenger perceives of the human race? The adjuster presences of the indwelling adjusters, and that's all. I don't think we register on the solitary messengers. I have tried to conceptualize a solitary messenger's view of Urantia, and I think the solitary messenger perceives the human race as a collection of fireflies in globular form clotted by population density, and that's the thought adjuster. That's all he registers. So Bill Sadler got me thinking for a couple of days about that. I thought to myself, you know, that is amazing. That is just absolutely, it, it kind of helps you understand the differing levels of, of life, really. Dimensions, almost. Uh, a lot to ponder. This one here, Bill is talking about what I love about this is, is Bill Sadler's a lot of humor talks about the, the reason for all of it. What's the reason? Why, why is God giving fragments of himself to all these little creatures all over the universe? Ah, it's about adventure. Here you got a thought adjuster that gave up well, that you might say is not only a fragmentation of the love of God, but is also a fragmentation of the adventuresome spirit of God. God is a personality, and I think the spirit of adventure is inherent in all personalities. And what is this whole creative business except the universal Father adventuring directly and vicariously. I don't think anybody this side of the Universal Father would have had the courage to construct beings like us. 
to take glorified animals and indwell them with the highest form of spirit in existence. This is the wedding of antipodal opposites. These adjusters are adventurous. I have never heard of any draft quota existing on Divinington. No adjuster is ever a draftee. Every adjuster is a volunteer. What does that mean? What's the, uh, what's the point that he's trying to make about that? That they're not draftees. They sign up willingly. There are a lot of passages in the Arantia book where it talks about the selection process, how they have before them, before they choose who they will associate with, possibly eternally, where they can sort of look at what kind of human being that person might be in their life. And they have access to this information because they're fragments of deity. They're part of God. God knows everything. And listen to the way Bill Sadler describes this process. These thought adjusters who have volunteered have not volunteered for the human race in general in some area. They volunteered specifically for each one of us. And they did so with knowledge aforetime. They did so with a full forecast of exactly what they were getting into. Precisely. They saw all of the pitfalls, all of the probabilities, all of the chances they were running. This was not the volunteering of blind audacity. This was the volunteering based on cool, intelligent, calculated courage. They knew precisely the odds. <clears throat> All right, this being the case, why don't you tell your thought adjuster about this planet he's in? I don't think the adjuster registers very much of it, but you can register on the thought adjuster. Talk. The only way I know to communicate is in words. I talk, usually in the privy, because I experience the greatest probability of privacy and solitude. <laughs> so imagine the millions of people right now in the world who could conceptualize that they have living within them a pre-personal part of God that has committed itself to being your partner throughout your existence. If you're willing to enjoy that part partnership. And that's that's the truth of it. That's that's what that spirit God is. It's it's your partner. You've been chosen specifically. That would make a lot of people I think feel really really good. It would give them a sense of hope, hope. You know, you have a a partner in 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 deity who has chosen to participate with you in your life so that 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 fragment can also experience your perception and grow with you it is the uh, embryonic part of the soul really it is what makes spirit and our and our identity a a soul an ascending soul and then also um Bill Sadler just is so acute with his descriptions. And we'll get into more of what he has to say. I've got a lot of material to work with. 
So we'll see where some of it takes us. But I did want to leave it there for a little while. I encourage you, if you haven't read the segments on the thought adjusters, uh, they're really quite uplifting and quite insightful. And, um, and I hope that I've whet your appetite to learn more about them if you have not yet done so. Uh, of course, re- email me always, Radio at gmail.com. And thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Arantia Radio Podcast.